open up to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Um, I can never find Hebrews. It's, I think it switches places in my Bible every time I look for it. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to, um, yeah, we'll start there, and then we'll go somewhere else for a little bit, and we'll end up back there. Does that sound good? Awesome. If you got your notes, I want to give you the title for this morning. Uh, it's already up. Our best is yet to come. Somebody say amen. Come on, our best is yet to come. If you were with us uh, two weeks ago, last time we were here at church, uh, we finished up a series that we were doing uh, called 50 More Days, and we finished with a message called The Best is Yet to Come. And we talked about how in God, when something ends, he's always starting something new, and that thing is going to be better than what was just completed. We looked at the 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. His, his death was amazing and forgave our sins, but then he rose from the dead to give us new life. Then he came around and continued talking to us about the kingdom. Then he ascended. Then he sent us the Holy Spirit, and now he sends us out his church. The best is yet to come. Does anybody believe that? Awesome. We want to narrow that in this morning, uh, talking about our best is yet to come. I mentioned earlier that we've got our birthday party on Tuesday. We'd love to see you out there. And we are celebrating one year as a church. And uh, so this morning, we're going to kind of recap a little bit of what the year has been like. But we, uh, we believe that our best is yet to come. Amen? Not only is the best yet to come in God in general, but we believe for your life, for this church, the best is yet to come and our best is yet to come. So this morning, you know, I don't, I don't know if you ever did this growing up, but in my, in my family growing up, we would have these uh, like family movie nights. Anybody? Anybody? But I don't mean we'd go like rent a movie and watch a movie. They like pull out the old video cameras and tapes of us growing up and watch like the videos of the kids and shenanigans and all that kind of stuff. Anybody ever do that or is that just us? Okay, a handful of people. It was awesome. It was really, it was really fun. And, and for me growing up, um, and honestly still today, the only thing better than annoying my sisters to the point that they cry is watching videos of me annoying them to the point that they cry. It just makes my day. Oh, I love it. Um, one of my sisters is here, and it's still true. It's just, uh, it's just so good. <laughs> we, always want, we always say that we want Antioch to be a place where you become family, so we are welcoming you into family movie night if you're new with us this morning. Uh, maybe some of, you, some of you have been here since kind of day one. Some of you uh, are, are brand new this morning. Some of you find yourself somewhere in between, but it's kind of family movie night. So, so we've got uh, flannel PJs for everybody. We've got pillows. We're going to stack the chairs, and we're going to watch a movie. No, I'm kidding. Um, but really uh, glad you're here this morning and just kind of want to set the tone for this morning. It's, it's going to be a, a family movie night. We're going to look back on what God's done and then uh, finish our time looking forward into what God is calling us to because we believe that it's been a good year being part of this church. Um, anybody else? Or is that just me? Yep. It's been a great year, and we believe that our best is still yet to come. So some of this may be an introduction for you. Some of, for some of you, it's going to be recap, but uh, we're going to be family movie night. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Our best is yet to come. So as we get started this morning, um, I'm going to need to kind of back up a little bit briefly to give some backstory. I just kind of want to tell you the story of our church a little bit and the story of this first year. Does anybody like stories? Yeah. like stories? So for me, backing up, I mean, a, a lot of bit. I grew up here in Indianapolis. My, my parents love Jesus. They're an amazing core part of this church, right? They're front and center. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Thank you, Mark, for applauding them with me. I grew up in Indianapolis. My parents are amazing. If you know them, you know they're amazing. They love Jesus. I grew up in church, Christian school, the whole bit. But for me, walking with Jesus, knowing Jesus, 
in relationship never really clicked for me. So I graduated high school and still wasn't really following God. I ended up down at Baylor University in Waco, Texas, Sikkim Bears. Anybody else? We got a few bears in the house. Thanks, Chad. Honorary bear in the back. So I, I graduated high school in 2008, ended up at, at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. And like I said, I wasn't really following Jesus. And um, the, the, the first Wednesday night of my freshman year of college, uh, Chad Freegi over here was a senior at Baylor. He took me to this church called Antioch in Waco. And I had a powerful encounter with God and did nothing with it and lived the rest of my freshman year not following Jesus. Came to the end of my freshman year and kind of had this sober realization. You know, I can keep living my life the way I'm living it which is worthless. I just knew. I was like, man, this is like my life. I just woke up one morning. It was weird. I had this realization like this is super lame the way I'm living my life. So it's kind of worthless. I can keep going that way or I could follow Jesus. I've always believed in God. I always knew Jesus was Lord and all that stuff, but I never really decided to follow him and just decided, you know, I can keep going the way I'm going or I could try something different and follow Jesus. So I decided, well, I'm going to follow Jesus and see what happens. So I decided to follow Jesus, and I jumped, uh, jumped into a church, and it was called Antioch in Waco, Texas, and wanted to get around people that wanted to follow Jesus too. Antioch uh, had begun in 1999 in Waco, and since then, uh, they've planted 30 churches here in the United States, of which we are one. So we are part of a network of churches, and about 68 other teams and churches all around the world. It was just a super cool thing that I had never experienced before as far as like a family, like being a part of the family of God all around the world. So when I jumped into to this church for the first time in my life, I started seeing, seeing the Bible lived out by a group of people. It wasn't just like a book that we read sometimes. It was like, this is going to be real life. Started to see God do amazing things, transform my life, so many other lives, and seeing the power of God, just really cool stuff. And the kingdom of God came alive to me for the first time. And I knew at that time, it's like, I don't know where all of this goes, but I want to be a part of this kingdom forever. I want to see the kingdom of God happen on earth as it is in heaven. I want to see that happen. I want to do, and I want to do it with this, with this group of people. We're not perfect, but we're going for it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so Long story short, we, I, was in, I graduated from Baylor. Heather and I, my wife, uh, she's in Texas right now, so send food. <laughs> graduated from Baylor. We got married. We did uh, this uh, discipleship school that Antioch does. And after that time, we knew that God was calling us out of Waco, but we didn't know where to go. Long story short, we narrowed it down to be between going to Dubai to be part of some Antioch teams there or College Station, Texas, which was 100 miles down the road. So... Pretty different options. We visited both places and just asking God, Lord, where are you taking us? We ended up in the fall of 2013 in College Station, Texas, which, yes, it's really called College Station, Texas. When I was a Baylor student as a freshman, people kept talking about College Station. I said, what's College Station? They said, it's a town. I said, but what's the town actually called? Like, <laughs> apparently, it's a real place. So we ended up in College Station. We went on staff at an Antioch that had been planted there several years before. We were on staff there for two and a half years. We did kind of everything. We uh, were, it was the associate college pastor, then the executive pastor. We led the discipleship school. We oversaw accounting and operations and families, all kinds of stuff. It was, it was a wild ride in College Station. We knew that we would be there for just a little bit, but we didn't know where God was going to call us to next. While we were there on staff, we were asked by a few leaders, hey, would you ever move back to Indianapolis and start a church? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I never really planned on coming back to Indianapolis. Indianapolis is awesome, amen. 
But I just never thought I'd come back. Once I'm gone, I'm just kind of gone. You know, I'm one of those kind of people. So just we started praying about it and saying, okay, God, uh, this is a little bit out of the blue, but what are you saying? What are you saying? And um, there's several questions that, that really came up for us as we thought about moving back to Indianapolis and starting this church. And the, the, the biggest question, I think, is a fair question. Why? Why? Why us? Why Indianapolis? And why? And one of the big questions for me was, why another church in Indianapolis? Like, I know of a lot of really awesome churches in Indianapolis. What, what, why? Why? We're willing to go anywhere. Indianapolis, like, it's so random. So we were praying, and we took about eight months to figure out if we were going to do this or not. And uh, praying and seeking God and just asking, asking God to speak to our hearts. And one of the biggest, uh, one, the, the two things that really shifted um, shifted our hearts towards falling in love with this city and what God wants to do here and, and this church and wherever we end up as a people going and whatever ends up happening here. The, the two things that really impacted us the most and, and made us jump into what God was doing in Indianapolis was he spoke to our hearts two things. He spoke to us our mission statement and our target audience. I don't know if those things get you excited or not. Some of your business people are like, yeah, good, you got a plan. Some of you non-business people are like, ugh, like, isn't this supposed to be like super, no, you know, but whatever. If you're going to go do something, you should probably know what the mission is. Amen. And if you're going to do something, you probably know who you're going for. Amen. So that we were like, that's cool, God. So I know mission statements, I kind of go either way. But when God spoke this to our heart, I thought that's a good one. That's a good one. We, as we were praying and asking God, Lord, what are you calling us to in our lives? And if we're going to do this church, what are you calling us to? And he spoke this phrase to us. If you've been around, you've heard it a thousand times already. But our mission as a church is to preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. So I want you to write that down if you're like, I need to remember that. Preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. God spoke that to my heart. I knew it was big, but I didn't totally understand it all the way. And just kind of digging in. Okay, Lord, what do, you, what do you mean by that? And the truth is that the reason this church exists is that we're committed to be a people whose lives proclaim the good news of Jesus. It's pretty, pretty simple. We want to proclaim the good news of the rule and reign of Jesus with our lives. I want to do it from a pulpit. I want, us to, I want Adam to do it at a cook-off. I want us to do it in our various spheres of influence. What if we could just be a people that proclaim this good news that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is king. His grace, his mercy, his love, his peace, his dominion is for here and now. That's why we exist, to make sure that message gets out. And we want to do it with this, with the aim to make others great. We want to do it with the aim to make others great. When we talk about the kingdom, uh, it can be summed up here in Isaiah 61, uh, 1 through 3. This is what we mean when we say we want to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. Isaiah 61 says this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. So this is what we're talking about, bringing the good news to the poor. Somebody to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, opening of prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This is the kingdom of God. This is the gospel that we want to preach, that Jesus is here, and that's good news for everybody. Amen? We want to preach the gospel of the kingdom, and we want to do it to make others great. Because if God is good and his kingdom is here, then 
following Jesus alongside other people following Jesus ought to be where you are most loved, empowered, challenged, and encouraged to be who God has made you to be. Amen? If God is good and we're part of his body, then shouldn't we all just be obsessed with living so free that we just want to make everybody else around us great? Just want to lift everybody else up? Jesus loves us so much that we can be secure enough that we don't have to worry about taking care of ourselves. Jesus took care of us. And that means that I get to pour my life out for the people around me to make sure that they become everything God's called them to be. We want to preach this good news of the kingdom. We want everybody to be made great while we do it. That, that's the heart that we're going for because God made you on purpose. He made you on purpose. He made the people in your life on purpose. And he made you for a purpose. And when we all start walking in that in the power of God, there's no telling what can happen to a city. Amen? So God spoke this mission statement to my heart, and, and I, remember when, I remember the morning that, that I felt like God put that in my heart, and I ran out to Heather. This doesn't happen a whole lot of times in my life, but I walk out to Heather, and I said, babe, God just spoke something that's going to change my life forever. And I knew for me it wasn't just a mission statement to put on a business card. It wasn't just a, a, a wordsmithed phrase for a church. It was the call on our lives. Preach the gospel of the kingdom to make others great. And I thought, Lord, I'll give my life for that. Whatever venue, whatever setting, whatever location, that's something to live for. That's something to die for. That's a good word right there. God gave us a, a mission statement. So we got clear on, okay, God, this is, this is what you're calling us to. If we're going to go do this thing, this is what we will do, right? We will preach the gospel of the kingdom. We'll make others great. The next question is, who, who are we going to go for? Who are you going for? Anybody know about, you know, target audiences? Everybody's like, what's the target audience of a business or an advertisement or whatever? Everybody wanted to know when they're asking, you know, me, they knew I was going to go plant a church. Like, who are you going for? And they used to get so annoyed. I'm like, we're talking about Jesus, man. Like, isn't everybody the target audience? Like, why do we do the demographic thing? Like, 18 to 29-year-olds, yeah, and everybody else, right? I mean, come on. So the target audience question was annoying to me, but, but God had, God had, God had some plans, uh, something planned for us. So he gave, he gave us some really helpful language for who we are as a church. And I, and I want this morning, I know I'm saying we, and I don't, I don't mean me and Heather, me and my wife. I mean we. Just want to make that clear. It's so easy to, in, in, in our Western world to just think church, the organization, 501c3, whatever, which we have that, and that's great. But like we, we, this is who we are, Amen. So we knew God was calling, what, what God was calling us to be, but the next question was, who, who was he calling us to? So two things on this question of target audience. If anybody ever asks you, what's Antioch all about? Who, uh, who, who is Antioch for? What kind of people? You know. Hopefully this will help you answer this question. Number one, our target audience is Jesus. Our target audience is Jesus. At the core, the church is not an organization. It's not, a, it's not a business that's aiming for people. The, the, at the core of, of, of the church, it's not a, an organization built on people's preferences, right? The church is the collective people of God to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. The church is the people of God to love Jesus and love people. That's what we're here for. So number one, we got to love Jesus. So our target audience is Jesus. And, and as we go as a church, you know, obviously everything, everything we do, it'll, it'll always have kind of like a, a specific flair to it or a personality or something because, you know, we're all people and stuff. So it'll, it'll take on, you know, the personality of who we are and all of that kind of stuff. But, but the target is never 
preferences, our, our preferences, my preferences, or somebody else's preferences. That's not, that's not the target. The, and what, I, what I'm trying to say is this, that the, the city of Indianapolis doesn't need another, like, Christian activity where people just kind of, like, do the thing, right? That's not what we need. There's, there's plenty of opportunities for that. There's gatherings, Christian and not. There's Taste of Broad Ripple and all kinds of other things. There's plenty of things to do. So what I'm saying is our target audience is Jesus because if we don't have the presence of God, what do we have? What do we have to offer that matters for anybody if not the presence of God? So this church and life following Jesus, it'll probably never really fit into all of your preferences or my preferences. But I'm totally willing to sacrifice my preferences, our preferences, if we can have the presence. Amen? Number one, our target audience is Jesus. The thing about Jesus is, though, if you're going to love Jesus, you've got to love people. Has anybody ever been annoyed by that truth? You're like, why can't I just love Jesus? <laughs> if you're going to love Jesus, you've got to love people. So when it comes to people, this is our target audience, passionate people who want more of God. We don't do the demographic thing. We just say, we just want, we're just here. We're here for passionate people who want more of God. Because the truth is, if you're passionate, in just in general, like I think you're going to like it here. If you, just, you don't even have to be passionate about God, but if you're just a passionate person, I'm a passionate guy, we're pretty passionate people, I think you'll like it around here. If you're not passionate, if, you, if your goal is just kind of to coast through life and not really rock the boat at all, you're probably not going to like Jesus all that much, and you're probably not going to like our church for very long. So we're just kind of, we're here for passion, for passionate people, because that's who we are. We're, we're passionate people, and, and that's not just a personality thing. When I say passion, we're not here for a specific personality or gifting or set of, you know, actions. And it's not, it's not a certain package in passion. God made everybody to carry passionate, passion in a unique way. You were built to be passionate. You're built to carry the heart of God. Our God is passionate. Just look at the cross. Just look at the empty grave. We serve a passionate God, and he has made you to be a passionate person. And the truth is, if you're, if you're passionate, if you have passion, then the will of God is just exactly where you need to be. So you may be passionate and not hungry for God, but it's only a matter of time. You just keep getting around Jesus enough, and you're going to find out, wow, I come fully alive when I'm fully following Jesus. So we're here for passionate people who want more of God. And if you're passionate, you don't want more of God, just start coming and it won't be too long because he is good. I mean, newsflash, everybody wants Jesus. Everybody. He's amazing. If we'll just represent him well, he'll take care of the rest. Amen? Passionate people who want more of God. We want to preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. That's, that's who we are. So God spoke these things to us on this journey of, okay, God, what, what are we going to do? We come to Indianapolis. If we go there, what, why, all of these sorts of things. So with this little bit of clarity, this mission statement, this target audience, and with a little bit of clarity, we moved to Indianapolis last May, late last May. And uh, the week after we moved into our house in Broad Ripple, we started Antioch Indy in our living room. And some of you in here were there that day. And the rest of that summer, we, uh, I think the rest for that summer, we had like 20 adults and 18 kids or something in our house. It was, 
it was bananas. And we still pretty much have that ratio. <laughs> There's a lot of kids in this church. And so the kids would be in the basement, in the patio, adults would be upstairs, and we just started loving Jesus, right? It was a great time, great time in our house. Uh, it was crazy town, but it, it was fun. So in, in our house, we were there for about 13 weeks, and after uh, the summertime, spending the summertime in our house, we came here on September 11th for our first kind of public service here at Old National. Was anybody there that first day? Yeah, nobody liked it first day. <laughs> Just playing. So after about 13 weeks in our house, we started here at, at Old National on September 11th. And, and people always ask me, like, how did this come about? How did the whole Old National thing come about? Like, are you a downtown church? How did you get in there? And the truth is, there's nothing strategic. It's just the only people who would let us have church. So that's why we have church in Old Nash here in the basement, in the deluxe room. But we're thankful for it. Amen? The staff is amazing here. They've taken great care of us. And over the last nine or ten months, it has been incredible to be part of what God has done in this little basement in the basement, uh, uh, underground in Indianapolis. It's been an adventure. I mean, it's an adventure every time we get together. Like, you never know who's going to come or what time they're going to show up, right? <laughs> Seriously, every week there's between, like, 30 and 85 adults in here. It's like, you never know what's going to happen. There's between, like, 10 and 30 kids. We never know, have any idea how to prepare. It's just always an adventure. And the, and, and the people who uh, were with us in our house, those, that, like, 20 people, they've been amazing making this whole thing happen. Like, if you've been here at all or if you're here today, which is all of you, you've been served by them in a big way. They have all served almost every week, whether it's host team, worship, production, kids, something, almost every week since September 11th. I mean, that's incredible. So if you're here and you're just checking it out, these people love you a lot. And if you're here and you've decided this is your church, give them, give them a hand. You know, help them out. Join a team. Start helping. Start help carrying the weight around here. I had to throw that in for them. But what's cool, about, what's cool about our little adventurous church, you never know what's going to happen, is that the most consistent feedback that I get uh, from people who come and go is that, man, your church just feels like family. Or people walk in the door and be like, I feel, I feel like I'm at home. People who know Jesus, don't know Jesus, they just feel at home. And that is really fun. That's really fun. And I think the presence of God ought to do that for people, right? I mean, you never know who's going to come. We, have, we literally, on, on the same week sometimes, we have, we have millionaires and homeless people. We have gay, straight, red, yellow, black, brown, white, everything. Devastated, excited, divorced, married, everybody. And it's family. I love it. I love it. It's an adventure. And I know that no matter who comes and no matter who has come and gone, you guys make them feel like family. And that's how it ought to be. And I'm, I'm proud to be a part of this church because of it. So we started an old national last September and we've been meeting here uh, somewhat consistently ever since. Like I said, we, we, we're not a church focused on one area of the city. We want to be here for the whole city. So when we started, we just started praying and saying, okay, God, what does it look like for us to kind of cement our heart into the city right off the bat? And Jesus has this thing where he, he talks about money a lot. And he said, if you, you want to know where your heart is, look where your treasure is. So we thought, okay, well, we want our heart to be in the city, so let's put our money in the city. So we didn't have a whole lot of money to start out with, but we said, uh, you know, the Bible talks a lot about the tithe, where we give 10% of everything he gives us back to him and what he's doing, and he blesses the other 90%. It's a beautiful, beautiful rhythm in our life of relying on Jesus and seeing the blessing of God. If you don't tithe, just start doing it. Even if you kind of go give it to a different church, but just start tithing because God's good. Amen? Wasn't planning on saying that, but it's true. 
So anyways, we start, how do, how do we cement our heart into this city? So we thought, you know what, let's take a risk. Let's give our first 10 weeks of income 100% away to what's going on in this city. We, we don't know if we have enough money in the bank to make it through our first 10 weeks, but we'll see. So for 10 weeks, our first 10 weeks, we had different people who were not part of this church and do other things that, that God's doing in this city. They'd come up during our give and take time and they'd share who they are, what they did, and we would take up an offering. And over those first 10 weeks, this little church in the basement of Indianapolis gave $25,000 to other things outside of our church. Yes, yes, so fun. And I cannot tell you the impact that that had on every single person who came up here. I mean, it was, it was amazing. You fed the sick, or you, you, yeah, you fed the hungry, you, you helped heal the sick, you sheltered the homeless, you helped the addict, you helped put orphans in families. It was an amazing 10 weeks. That's what you've been a part of so far this year. So that was kind of our first 10 weeks. We did the fall, and at the turn of the new year, um, how are we doing on family movies so far? We doing all right? At the turn of the year into 2017, we, we started the year off with a series uh, that we called We're Moving In. Anybody remember, we're moving in. Way to go, guys. We're moving in. We talked for three weeks out of Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and uh, believed that God was giving us a word as a church and as individuals uh, for the year of 2017, that 2017 was going to be a year of moving into the promises of God. In Joshua 1, the people of Israel have been uh, enslaved for over 400 years. They've been wandering around a desert for another 40 years. They've been carrying the promise of a land that would be theirs for generations and generations. They've been carrying the promise, but they haven't been living in the promise. You ever been there? Joshua chapter 1, God's transitioning them from carrying the promise to moving into the promise. We talked about how that's going to be a word for us this year, this year as a church that we are going to move into the promises of God. And we're only halfway through 2017, but it sure has been a year for all of us of moving into the promises of God. It's been so amazing to watch God be faithful to that word. And we still got half of the year left. I mean, there's like a whole boatload of new babies around here. Praise God. That's fun. That's the promise of God. Amen. <laughs> all the tired parents are like, yeah. We got lots of babies, like a good handful of people. I mean, our church isn't that big, so when like a handful of people, that's a good, good proportion, you know? A lot of people have been moving into houses that they've been praying for and believing for. I mean, we had one family, Joshua 1.9 says, be strong and courageous. And one family, they moved into their dream house recently on courageous drive. I mean, come on. You can't make that stuff up. That's awesome. We, people have um, gotten new jobs that they've been believing for, praying for, for months and years. Relationships have been restored. Marriages have seen breakthrough. It has been awesome this year. We are moving into the promises of God. So I don't know where you are kind of on your process. Remember when we talked about the promise, we said there's a process with it. It's not necessarily overnight. I don't know where you are on your process, but if you're part of this family, there's a promise on your life. There's a promise on your life, and this year is going to be a year of you moving in. No matter what your last six months have looked like, we believe our best is yet to come. Amen? Part of moving in is we're believing to move in somewhere as a church, and we still don't have a building, and we don't even really have any good ideas because we've tried everything. So be praying. <laughs> Can we pray? I remember last time we were moving somebody in, I was like, well, everybody gets a house except the church. All right. <laughs> When, is, when, is, when do we all get a place, you know? Come on. But God's good, amen. He's going to give us somewhere good for his glory. It's going to be awesome. So be praying uh, that we move in somewhere. It's been an awesome year. It has been an awesome year. 
Everything I've shared has been amazing. There's so much more I could share. I mean, people have bought cars for one another. We've housed each other, helped each other move, celebrated together, wept together, given money, given meals, encouragement, challenges. We vacationed together. I mean, it has been a year. It has been a good year. Did I read Hebrews 11.1 1 at the beginning? Okay. Well, I'm going to read it now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's been a year of faith for us. It's been a year of faith, and God has been so good. Because, you know, like I said, I, I, maybe you can pick this up, but this church didn't start because it was a good idea or because Indianapolis just needed another church activity, or, or anything like that. This church started because of uh, some people in a house had some faith. They had some assurance that God wanted to do something in Indianapolis, and they could be a part of it. They had an assurance of something they were hoping for. They had a conviction that God's going to do something in this city that's never been seen before, and we want a part to play. It was a people of faith. This, this church got birthed in, in faith. Year one has been a faith year for us. And this church is just a, just a faith church. I mean, it's like, what denomination, you know, this or that. We're just a faith church. We just believe God. That's all we really know how to do around here. Amen? We just believe God. We believe God that he's good. We believe that God loves everybody. We, we believe all of that stuff. We, we just like believing God because we think he's awesome. We believe that Jesus longs that everybody will be saved. We believe that he wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. We believe that we're going to see kingdom, the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. We're just a faith people. That's all we got. We're, we're assured and we're convicted that God is on the move. And it's been a good year. And my faith has grown over this last year. Anybody else faith grown over this last year? I believe it more than ever, that this city, that us, we're right in the middle of something that God's doing that's really special. And even where we don't see it, I just have this conviction that what we don't see is more real than what we do see. And we're going to see it. We're going to see it. Just like today, we've kind of been doing a family video, a review of the past. Hebrews 11, starting with verse 1. The rest of that chapter is like a family movie of the past. It's like a family movie of the faith of the past. Some people in kind of Christian theological circles or whatever, they call it the Hall of Faith because um, it, it lists out most of the all-stars, all the, all the big hitters of biblical history. All the big faith people are in Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about who they were, what they did, the promises that God gave them, the lives that they lived. It's kind of a, a family movie for people of faith, Hebrews chapter 11 is. But Hebrews chapter 11 ends in, a, in an incredible way. I want to skip all the way to the end. You may need to turn your page and look at verse 39 of Hebrews chapter 11. It starts with talking about faith, and then it lists all these amazing people of faith of the past and what they've done and all that God did. And Hebrews 11, 39 says this, And all of these, all of these people, all these people of faith, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. As awesome as all these stories were, they didn't, they didn't even receive all that was promised to them. All these big name people that we celebrate. It was amazing. But they didn't even receive all that God had promised them. Verse 40, since God had provided something better. I think that's amazing. I mean, there's some big names in this chapter like Abraham, Noah, Moses, like David, you know, all these guys. God had provided something better. In other words, what God is telling us in these verses is that as good as all of that was, 
as good as Hebrews 11 was, as good as year one was, there's still something better. In other words, the best is yet to come. Since God had provided something better for us, say us, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. These are incredible verses. These verses are kind of a passing of the torch, really. In these two verses, God is saying to you, you know how amazing it is when you look back on like Noah and, and all these guys? You know how amazing it is when you look back on year one? As good as all that was, your best is yet to come. See, Hebrews 11, when you read it, it's, it's kind of all about them, 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 all these people, all about them. And then in 3940, he turns the tide from pointing, he, he takes his finger from pointing back to putting his finger right in our chest. He changes from them to us. And in verses, the next two verses in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, the author of this book, God himself, he is taking his finger from the past, putting it squarely in our chest, and he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. These are incredible verses. These are powerful. This is, a, like I said, a passing of the torch. He's saying, because of who God has been, because of what God has done, because our best is yet to come, let us also throw off all the weights that slow us down, all the sin that tries to kill us, and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. It's good to look back, and it's good to be encouraged, but never forget the best is yet to come. We love celebrating everything God did through everybody in the past, but we have a race to run. Say, I have a race to run. And as we look forward into year two and beyond year two, whatever God wants to do in and through us, I'm praying that this next year of our church will be a year of us. A year of us, a year of let us also picking up the mantle of what God has done in the past and running forward into what he's calling us to. And I also pray that it becomes a year of us where, where even the people that are part of this church, it, it, that things move uh, from, from them to us. Now, I, I just hope that, we're, that we become a family, you know? That the language that we use isn't about them or they or Antioch, but us, we. I'm praying that year two is a year of participation in what God's calling you to and what God is calling us to. Because the truth is, them is easy. Them language, you know what I'm talking about? Talking, talking about them, that's easy. There's, there's no risk there. And it's, them is easy. You know, if, if you become part, if you're part of this church, become part of this church, you know, it's kind of easy. It, it's easy to have it be them. Like, when is Antioch going to do whatever? When is, when is Antioch going to help me grow more? When's my life group going to whatever? When's my discipleship group, discipleship group going to whatever? When are they going to do this outreach? When are they going to have this ministry? Them is easy. They is easy. It's, easy. it's easy to criticize when it's they, but I think the truth is, I think one of the reasons that keeps us in the they realm is that it's just easy to keep your distance with they. It's easy to keep your distance when it's they. 
But when it's we and when it's us, you got skin in the game. And that's a little scary sometimes. But maybe the empty lane that you see in our church, maybe the empty lane you see in your family and your friends and your workplace, maybe the empty lane you see is your lane. Any lane that we see in our life, when are they going to? Maybe that's my lane. Maybe instead of them doing it, it's time for me to do it. Maybe instead of waiting on them, it's time for us. I'm praying that this year we, we be a, a, a church of us. Let us not wait for others to do it. Let us not coast on what we've seen or what has already been done. Let us believe the best is yet to come. Let us have faith now for what God wants to do. And let us believe. Let us believe that we will see the glory of God. Can it be a year of us, year two? I just wonder what this race is going to look like as it unfolds. And there's no way to know it until we just start running. I want you to go ahead and stand as we close this morning. And the band's going to come up and lead us in another song. We always say that uh, we want to be a people not just that hear the word of God or get together, but we want to be a people who respond to what God's doing in us. And I pray that God has been uh, using me, using his word, using these stories, these testimonies to speak to your heart. Maybe you needed to hear a word that I said, or maybe God said something different. But I believe the Holy Spirit's working in and through all of us right now. We want to be a people who respond to the things that he's calling us to do. Because God says the same thing. He's like, he's, he tells us, come on, let, let us go. Let, let's go. Come with me. Jesus had this thing. He'd walk around and he'd say, come, follow. He wasn't the sit still kind of Jesus, right? And so I don't know where you're at this morning, what your next step is, what your response to let us also, Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us also blank. I don't know what your also is. Maybe there's a weight that you need to throw off. Maybe there's a sin that you need to throw off of your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize I've never even really stepped into my race. Never decided to actually follow Jesus. Or maybe you have been in the race before and you're realizing I've, I kinda sat, I've been sitting out, but I need, to, I need to tie the shoes up again and get running. I need to become part of us, the people of God. I don't know what your response is this morning, but I want you to do whatever it is that God's putting in your heart to do. Respond however it is that you know that you need to respond. And I know in this church, we've got people from all over the place. We've got people who are new believers, people who've been walking with Jesus for decades. And almost everybody in here, y'all are runners. I mean, that's who we are. You, you know. <laughs> you know the stories. You're runners. This is who we are. But, but there's just something about Jesus. There's kind of always this re-up again. Like, I said yes, but I need to say yes again. You know what I'm saying? And then talking about a race, and I just wonder if, if we need to kind of all step up to the starting line again as a celebration of what year one was and as anticipation, faith, conviction, assurance of what year two is going to be. Not just for Antioch, the organization, but for us. Amen? Amen. So, thought this through, but I'm... I just want you to know God has a call in your life. I don't need you to do anything for me. I don't need you to do anything for this church. I don't need you to come to the front. I don't need you to go to the back. You can do either one of those. 
I don't need you to do anything for me. Jesus took care of me. But we have a race to run. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you have a race to run. And there's a reason things feel worthless because you're not running your race that you were made to run. And I think some of you in here, maybe you've been doing the God thing for a while, the church thing for a while, and there's been some hurt along the way, some pain along the way, disappointment, all kinds of stuff. And all that stuff's super legit. It's not fun. But it doesn't cancel out the race that you're called to. So let us run with endurance, the race set before us. So if it feels like you need endurance for what you're doing, you're in the right lane. If it's easy, I don't know. Are you thankful for what God's done in your past? Do you believe the best is yet to come? I just want to encourage you to come up to the starting line again this morning, wherever you're at. Why don't you just bow your head and close your eyes. Why don't you say, just say in your heart, Holy Spirit, show me my starting line. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus or you know that you've stepped out of your race and it's time to start following Jesus again for real and you want to make that decision this morning, I want you to raise your hand right now. Everybody else is looking around. Okay. Amen. And if you're a believer this morning and you want to stay in your lane from this day forward, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for us as we worship together. We're going to do a song called When You Walk Into the Room. And it's just, Jesus, we love you. We can get so focused on our race, but he says, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, he's seated at the right hand of God. You want to know where your endurance comes from? Jesus. Let us also. Amen. Let us also. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for what you've done this year. I thank you for what you've done every year of everybody's past. Lord, I thank you that you've been good, that you're good today, and that you're going to be good tomorrow. Lord, I pray over every person here this morning that the best is yet to come. I pray, God, that we would be a let us also church. I pray that you would take us to an us reality, a we reality, that you would take language out of our hearts, out of our minds, out of our mouths of they, them, when are the, all of that stuff, God, and would, it, would there be an ownership for us, for our city, for the kingdom of God in our hearts this year? Let us also. Lord, would that be the encouragement that you give us as we wake up every day, as we go to work tomorrow, as we come home from work on Wednesday, as we have dinner with our family on Thursday, let us also throw off every weight and every sin that clings so closely. If you've got something in your life today that you want to throw off, a weight, a sin, a distraction, whatever it is, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Would you raise both hands? Put both hands up in the air. You can't hold on to it when you got both hands in the air. Don't be ashamed. Put your hands up. God, I thank you for these ones. I pray freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name from every weight and every sin that clings so closely. God, I thank you that you are the friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
Lord, the weights that have been so familiar, the sins that have been so familiar, nothing can compare to how close you are to us. Lord, I pray your intimacy would set us free. Your intimacy would launch us into the race that you've called us to. That when we're tired, we would look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We praise you for a year of freedom, a year of us, a year of salvation, a year of more, that the best is yet to come. Let's worship Jesus this morning as we wrap up.